0: Arkansas Community Foundation has a vision for communities in Arkansas to become the places your kids will want to raise their kids. By strategically funding local nonprofits, ARCF provides not only resources, insight, and inspiration, but also a statewide impact to build better communities. More at ARCF.org. The group Friends of the Berryville Library is raising funds for a new library building big enough to serve the needs of its growing community. For more information on the importance of public libraries in the lives of individuals and the strength of our communities, and how you can help, BerryvilleLibrary.org.
1: It is Wednesday, November twenty-second, 2023, and this is Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Kellums. Later this hour... We are within a year of Election Day 2024. Earlier this month, the candidate-seeking office in Arkansas filed to be on the 2024 ballot. Roby Brock, with our partner, Tonk Business and Politics, talked with the chairs of both the Arkansas Democratic and Arkansas Republican parties about their plans and hopes for the election year. First, across the state and country, school district administrators are having trouble recruiting and retaining qualified educators. Ozarks at Large's Jack Travis reports that the teacher shortage is notably difficult for smaller, rural districts to overcome. Some, like the Lincoln Consolidated School District, are
2: looking to their school's
1: calendars for solutions.
2: Across the country, teachers are choosing to leave the profession and walk away from their classrooms. The National Institute for Educational Statistics reported over half of public school administrators found their buildings understaffed last year. Stan Carber has been the principal of Lincoln High School for 14 years, and he says the teacher shortage is especially prevalent in Arkansas. Uh,
3: there's teachers um, getting out of this profession um, at rates that we've never seen, um, early retirements or just not even worried about retirements. Um, and then you're also talking about on the other side of that, uh, it's some of the lowest recruiting we've ever had. Um, colleges across the state are, are reporting that we are having Short classes when it comes to teachers that are people that are, that are going into education. So if you're losing them faster and you're not gaining them, well, then you're going to start to suffer with the quality. And if you're needing to retain and you're needing to keep teachers, good, highly qualified educators and highly qualified human beings in the building, um, especially in small rural districts right outside of the Mecca of education in this state,
2: Lincoln High is part of the recently consolidated Lincoln School District, which covers a large rural area in western Washington County. Students come from many small communities, including Cincinnati, Morrow, Cane Hill, Evansville, and others. Carver says it has one of the biggest square mileages that school buses have to travel in the state to pick up students, but it's still a smaller district despite its large coverage area. With the high school's modest student body of 370 and the district's close proximity to large school districts like Fayetteville, Springdale, and Bentonville, Carber says he and other administrators have had to get creative in order to convince teachers to not only teach at Lincoln, but stay there. Their solution? A four-day school week. The reduced schedule began this year, and Carber says it's going well so far.
3: The benefits uh, are that we don't work on Monday. Uh, We spend a lot more time with our families. Um, we, you know, in my opinion, we boost the economy. We're out shopping and, uh, and eating more, um, you know, spending time out and about, um, one less day a week that we actually have to work. Um, so there's, there's always that added day of the weekend, which you know, just as well as I do that three days a week, uh, boost mental health.
2: Carber says Lincoln made improving the mental health of students, faculty, and staff the paramount focus this year. He says the social isolation and mental strain caused by the COVID-19 pandemic affected his students emotionally, and schools weren't taking action to correct this problem.
3: If you've got a bunch of kids who are not as mentally healthy as they should be, um, that's going to have a direct effect on the adults that are in the building sharing the room with them just like it would if someone had COVID, just like it would if someone had the flu or a stomach bug. So if there's a stomach bug going through our building We take all these precautionary measures to go through and try to make sure that nobody gets it. We spray down desks and we spray down hallways and we all run around here and do the best we can with our hand sanitizer. But if there is a group of kids who are not mentally healthy, there doesn't seem to be a lot of action being taken.
2: This extra day off can be used for professional development, parent-teacher conferences, or just rest. Carver says his students have already started prospering under this new schedule.
3: Our attendance is at an all-time high not only our attendance but our um, tardiness within the building from an hour to hour block to block schedule is better than it's ever been and our discipline is at an all-time low so those two things right there usually don't match up that well but again i think that it is there's got to be some kind of correlation related to the fact that our teachers are in a better place they are more mentally uh, just stronger human beings in my opinion Um, And then our students can feel that.
2: A four-day week doesn't mean less class time. The state requires schools to have classes for at least six hours per day or 30 hours per week. Lincoln adjusted their days to start at 735 rather than 753 and run an hour later until 4.05 p.m. So kids at Lincoln are still in school for 34 hours every week. Furthermore, the district chose to cut Monday because that's when most federal holidays occur so children won't miss out on an abnormally large amount of instructional time during those weeks. Carver says the additional hour in the school day may strain the attention span of students. However, students are receiving a more enriching education from their teachers.
3: If you tell me that I can get it done in 30 minutes if I'm really concentrated on that effort and I'm optimizing my time and I'm putting in the laser focus, as opposed to getting it done in two hours where I'm not as focused and I'm not as optimized, well... That's something that you could probably start to gravitate towards, especially in today's world when everything is going faster and the information is flowing at a speed that we've never experienced. So to say that we need to hold on to a model that was always modeled for us without ever questioning that and saying, are we talking about quantity or are we talking about quality? Because when it comes to our students' overall health, educational, mental, emotional, physical, I would say that I'd rather put my own son, which I do, who is in my school and my other sons in the middle school, through an optimal, concentrated effort that is not based off of the quantity. It's based off the quality. And in order to have a quality education, you have to have educators who are firing on all cylinders.
2: But how does a shorter school week actually affect students' academic achievement? Kate Barnes is a graduate research assistant at the University of Arkansas's Department of Education Reform. She began conducting a research project on Arkansas schools switching to four-day weeks after she noticed the trend rising last fall when the Arkansas legislator passed Act 668, which allowed districts more flexibility in their calendars. She says that while four-day weeks do often yield benefits, they can also have a varied, sometimes negative, effect on students' academic achievement. In Arkansas, most schools adopted the new schedule right after the pandemic, which skewed data drastically.
4: So schools that had adopted right after the COVID pandemic, there was a big decrease in student achievement. But it was it trended the same way as comparable districts that are on five day calendars and overall Arkansas districts, the attend or not the attendance rates, the achievement rates. Um, declined the year following COVID, Uh, but since that point, we haven't really seen too much of a difference yet, Um, either positive or negative, which points to good signs.
2: She says the aims for these changes is that you shouldn't be able to tell the difference between a five-day school week and a four-day school week. Pretty much, they're hoping everyone continues working like they did previously.
4: And that is pretty standard for other research that is out there. The Rand Corporation did a pretty extensive study with four-day school weeks, and they did not find any immediate differences in student achievement when districts adopted a four-day calendar. Um, But that study did find that those students were not growing as fast as comparable districts that were operating using a traditional calendar and in oregon there is a lot of research coming out of oregon state from paul thompson and they found that shortened weeks have detrimental impacts on student achievement particularly for boys and particularly low-income students so overall it's it's a little bit mixed
2: There will be more data available on how Lincoln students' academic achievement has been affected once the Arkansas Department of Education releases their test scores for this ongoing school year. Now, two glaring questions remain. Where do students go on their days off, and what do they do? Barnes says these are questions school districts must consider before making the switch.
4: If districts are considering adopting a calendar, it really needs to be a good fit for their community so a big part of adopting calendars is getting community feedback from families and 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 businesses and things in your area so though that's almost more important i feel like is that yes maybe you might be able to recruit and retain more teachers and things like that but if you don't have proper child care or um maybe if you're Your dentist offices are closed every Monday, maybe adopting a four-day school week isn't great if you're off on Mondays because then kids can't go to the dentist and then it doesn't help with the attendance.
2: Carber says that on their new day off, many high school students pick up extra job shifts, help out around the house more, tend to farm work, or go do things for themselves. He says they take advantage of that day off just like students would on any other day off from school and families are not having trouble securing childcare for younger students.
3: That was a community concern and uh, I'm, I'm a part of the community. I was in the board meetings. Um, there was a community concern. What about the kids? What about the little kids? And Tracy Burks um, is the elementary principal. She has been in this district. Both of her kids are in the high school. She is an incredible elementary principal. She met those concerns. We still run a pre-K program on Monday. So our pre-K program is open. Those kids are here. Um, our daycares throughout the community I'm sure that they have had an influx of enrollment Um, and I think it speaks high volumes to our community that once this went through the rearview mirrors were taken off and they all started looking for solutions to move forward so we had aunts uncles grandparents just like we did when you and I were in school If the day is needed and someone needs to take care of those kids, those kids are being taken care of. We run food services, we make sure the kids are taken care of as far as their needs, and everything has gone smoothly.
2: The LEARNS Act that passed earlier this year set an annual salary minimum of $50,000 for teachers in public schools across Arkansas. And while this may help rural districts recruit and retain educators, a four-day school week may offer rural districts an additional perk that larger school districts cannot compete with. Plus, recruiting and retaining strong educators, regardless of the school district, can play a part in helping students succeed. Take a moment to think about a teacher who impacted your young life, whether it was the English teacher who took extra time to help you work through writer's block or a chemistry teacher who stayed after hours to tutor students who had trouble understanding difficult concepts. Educators are a fundamental part of a student's journey, and administrators like Carber Hope that this remains true at his school district as well. What if you never got the chance to connect with that teacher because of where you went to school? That's the reality many rural school district administrators are trying to correct. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Jack Travis.
1: Jack Travis produced that piece inside the Bruce and Ann Applegate News Studio One at the Carver Center for Public Radio. Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art will host journalists who work to expose the Harvey Weinstein sexual assault allegations. Their work helped inspire the Me Too movement. Jody Cantor and Megan Toohey will be at Crystal Bridges in early December. Their work earned them the Pulitzer Prize. Their book, She Said, Breaking the Sexual Harassment Story that Helped Ignite a Movement, topped the New York Times bestseller list. will be part of a discussion about their work and their book at Crystal Bridges Friday evening, December 8th, beginning at 6. Tickets are $30 for non-members, $24 for members. By the way, Annie Leibovitz recently photographed Tui in Cantor, and that portrait is part of the current exhibition, Annie Leibovitz at Work, that can be viewed through January. The new visitor center at Pinnacle Mountain State Park in, well, just west of Little Rock is scheduled to open in less than a week. Grand opening set for Tuesday. And you don't even have to wait that long to take advantage of the Community Rescue Mission ice skating rink that's opening in Fort Smith. The rink at Riverfront Pavilion will be ready Friday and then be open four days a week during the holiday season from 5 until 9 p.m. each Thursday and Friday, from 2 until 9 p.m. each Saturday, and from 2 until 6 on Sundays. More information available at fortsmithicekating.com. come on our show. Pastor Clint Schneckloth's latest book recommendation is designed to help us all consider some pretty big ideas. People are
5: much more now asking the question, I don't really care what you believe,
1: I want to see what you do. That conversation in today's second half hour of Ozarks at Large. Hey, it's A. Martinez. Keeping up with the 24-7 news cycle can be a lot, overwhelming even. That's why at Morning Edition, we like to keep the big picture in mind. There could just be an
6: incredible myriad and diversity of life out there in the universe.
1: And remember to take a break sometimes.
7: If we can laugh at the fact that we took something seriously, that's really therapeutic.
1: Listen weekdays to Morning Edition from NPR News.
8: Morning Edition tomorrow
1: morning and every weekday morning from 5 until 9. This is Ozarks at Large. This month, Arkansas crossed another milestone moving forward toward the 2024 election. Candidate filings for offices in state government, as well as those for federal offices, ended last week. Roby Brock, with our partner Talk Business and Politics, asked the state chairs of the Republican and Democratic parties about their plans for their candidates for the next 12 months. Joseph Wood, the head of the Arkansas Republican Party, and Grant O'Neill, the chair of the Arkansas Democratic Party, recently joined Robey for his television program, Capital View. Roby asked Grant O'Neill why he thought the filing process indicates possible success for the Democratic Party, a party that is in the minority in the state government. Well, I, obviously, we
6: filed more candidates than we filed in a decade. Um, and I think that that's a indication of resurgent strength and interest in our party. Um, I, I was incredibly pleased um, by virtually everything in our filing and and slightly surprised that the Republican Party didn't offer us challenges in some places where they very much should have. Uh, Just throwing out one um, David Whitaker seat where Joe Biden won by four points doesn't draw a challenger, which is...
8: Ashley Hudson, Andrew Collins. Ashley Steve.
6: Hudson, Andrew Collins, and and the thing is, all that does is leave us with more gas in the tank to defend Steve McGee.
8: Joseph, you left too much gas in the tank oh, for, no, <laughs> for granted. Tell me why it was a good I, week for the I mean, It really
9: was. Yep. I mean, we had about uh, a little more than a third of the House uncontested for the Republicans. We had more than 50% of the uh, Senate uncontested. So again, uh, with the majorities that we have, uh, We we feel real great about not only maintaining but even maybe picking some things up. Um, I was really excited about some of the things that's happening down in Hope and uh, uh, seeing some of the candidates come through. We had, again, a number of presidential candidates come through. It was a, a, I'm pretty excited about it. You also know 16 years ago when I was running for chair, we were in your position. We had nothing. There was nothing going on, and so I'm pretty excited about sitting in this position, seeing where we are, and what's been happening in the Republican Party over the past. Yeah. What about 12 not filing
8: anybody to contest those seats that are kind of purplish, that uh, that Grant and I mentioned there? What?
9: We have people who come and decide, and um, so we'll 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 see how this all shakes out. Uh, is it a resurgence? That's great that you guys have folks coming out, but. Uh, I think when you start looking at the the bold leadership of our Governor and our legislative and what's been happening over the past uh, I don't know uh, since she's been in, people are excited about what's happening, and we'll see that pop in November we can come back and visit with you and see how that, how that uh You manifests. said that the
8: governor has been helpful for your party. You say the governor's been helpful for your party. Absolutely. I mean, somebody's going <laughs> to be wrong. Yeah, <laughs> come November, we'll see. And That's I think sure. by November, we will see. That's exactly right. Um,
6: I, I do think that there has been national attention focused on the problems that our governor has had, being transparent about the way she spends money. And I think the people of Arkansas are upset about it. and And I think that polls commissioned and run by Republicans have indicated that she's got a little bit of a problem right now.
9: Well, when I see 61% of the folks saying that, yes, we're in the right direction here in Arkansas, and within 11 months to see not only uh, reformation in our education unseen in Arkansas's history, when we look at uh, public safety, economic vitality, you guys started some of this, uh, but you can't draw economic vitality in the state if you don't have educational workforce. That's been a focus for this governor and their legislative body, as well as public safety. And so we work through those. Particular
8: Grant's gonna things. give all the credit to President Biden
5: on that. Well, Gov- no. but, but we- <laughs>
6: <laughs> uh, I, I, Arkansas Democrats wholesale disagree with the fact that destroying our public schools uh, piecemeal is the path to any sort of economic vitality in the future. So yeah, education
8: is going to be an issue
9: in this. Education is going to be a side. huge issue. Well, well I, I think again, we 100, 137 years we've been trying to do something, I guess, in Arkansas to move uh, our education system from the bottom to the top. And just in this past year, we've been able to at least move, get our teachers better pay uh, to start saying, you know, what parental does, parental uh, empowerment, we've been able to do that. Now, can we say that it's all, uh, done. We just got going. Right. 137 years. We haven't had. Give us, give us that. We've just
6: been <laughs> in ten Kay. years. So you're saying that for 137 <laughs> years, At, our that, schools uh, have been horrible.
9: Uh, no. Uh, so I'm so all the people I'm who s-
6: graduated from an Arkansas public I, school I, up saying, until yesterday graduated from a horrible school.
9: I'm saying 137 years we have not seen our education and our teachers' pay be in the top well, okay, five in our country.
6: Okay. But let's remember who got the teachers to 50,000. That was a Democratic bill that you all tabled and then inserted into your own bill. And, and that's okay. okay. It wasn't right. your idea. I, in fact, you wouldn't have done it had we not pushed hard. And we being as in? Democrats. How long, how long ago? No, we introduced a bill this last legislative session for $50,000 pay. Okay. And then that, you tabled that bill and took the guts of it and inserted it into your own bill
9: so so your legislative the body and, the, and right. the governor. But you didn't
6: introduce a fifty thousand dollar bill until we introduced the people a of Arkansas
9: win. Bill. The parents win. Right. Okay. Oh yeah, they did. Now and again, thank you, Democrats. A, a thank you, Democrats. Could have done that some time ago. Oh,
6: we've we've raised teacher pay uh, it, but over and over and over again okay. for the last sixteen years. It's been uh, pretty it, light. I will
8: say uh, that candidate uh, Sanders did talk about raising teacher right. Right. She she pay. But there was it. no Chris, dollar amount. Chris that's Jones, right. the Democrat, talked about it as well. Right, they did. I want to so. pull back to candidate filing here and just ask a question. Not that I don't want to stay. On the subject that we're on, but what's going to be, what's going to be victory for you guys after the November elections? Will it be breaking the GOP supermajority? Will it be holding the GOP supermajority? If those things change, will you view that as a setback if you lose the GOP supermajority? Will you view it as a setback if you don't break the GOP supermajority? Well, I
9: definitely think us holding and, and finding ways to increase that is gonna be a, a victory, but definitely holding and then going beyond and then obviously we'll continue to work the agenda that the, uh, the party has been set forth. Mm. And, and, and
6: there's no way I could say that re- failing to break the supermajority would be a, a disappointment as long as we make progress. Um, we are far behind in terms of resource and everything else. We have been doing a fabulous job rebuilding our party. I I expect that we will win some races this time. I can't predict where we will end up. Uh, I would also like to see us run hard and successfully here in the second district. I think we've got a great candidate. Yeah. And, and I think the second district congressman is flailing a little
8: bit right now. Yeah. Well, you do have four contested That's right. uh, primary, uh, four contested races. There is a GOP primary up in the third district right there. That's correct. Um, give me your case for why you think that you will hold all four of the Republican incumbents. Give me your case of why you think you'll pick off one or more.
9: Well, I think that if we continue to focus on the things we need to focus on, which is where our country is, with what is going on with Bidenomics, Biden inflation, what's going on, with gas prices, going on our border, we will continue to hold on, and our Congress, Congress people will continue, will continue to maintain Congress, and uh, we don't have, uh, and then we'll continue to maintain the House. So I think really it's about staying on message about what's going on, and and then from the areas that's ailing the country as well as Arkansas. And then focusing on the things that's been good and right for Arkansas, which is education, workforce, uh, uh, public safety, and our PROTECT Act. And, and protect i would that
8: circus up in Congress. I'm not Ooh. sure I'd want to be <laughs> <laughs> on either side of the aisle, to be honest with you. Sure. It's, a, it's such a close the, margins right. there. You know? But I
6: also think that, that, Roby, you just said it, that this particular Congress is having a real tough time proving to the people of America that they can run the country. And I think it is time for wholesale change.
8: Is wholesale change just uh, winning a slim majority back? Because I think you're going to be in the same boat if Democrats win a slim majority at the national level. Uh, I, mean.
6: I, I think so, but I, I think that the country's always in better shape when Democrats <laughs> are running it.
8: Ooh. All right, we got to... They're <laughs> running it now. We got man. about two minutes left, so I'll give you a minute <laughs> apiece here. Give me your uh, give me your case for keeping Joe Biden president. Give me your case for... Um, Trump's the front runner right now. The governor's endorsed him. Let's sure. Give me your case for Trump being president again. Grant, I'll let you go first. Well, I think
6: that first and foremost, it's important to remember that Arkansas Democrats don't fix Washington. Um, We are running to fix things here in Arkansas. But I believe that Joe Biden has us on the right pathway. I think when we talk about things like uh, inflation at the gas pump, we've got to remember that we're fighting two wars in places that are, well, we aren't, but we are, are watching two wars being fought in places that are incredibly important to the flow of petroleum. Um, And so some of that is causing some of these prices. Uh, I I think that we are um, in a healthier position economically than we've been in quite a few years. We have come out of this um, pandemic time better than anybody expected us to. Everybody was expecting recession, recession, recession. And so far it's been more of a soft and slow landing. Um, I think you continue the work. Yep. Just
8: well, before we get I, I, the last I, word I, I on think, air.
9: <laughs> I think we have two reports and again, President Trump is the, the nominee for the Republicans. You have a record of a president and you have the current president's record. And I think line by line, you can just see, that clearly the Republicans win the economy, vitality, the uh, energy, the independence. We can go straight down the list and say, under Trump's administration prior to President Trump's administration prior to COVID, we were booming and thriving. And I tell you, uh, Democrats and Republicans saw better gas prices, they saw uh, uh, rest across across peace around the world. We got a big war, you mentioned, uh, and this down on the border, and no one's uh, addressing and getting that taken care of. So we get a chance to see that play out. Uh, come November with the presidential candidates. And then that starts to fall right down in line with where we are in Arkansas, continue to lead the rest of the country.
1: Joseph Wood is the chairman of the Arkansas Republican Party and Grant Tennille is the head of the Arkansas Democratic Party. They spoke with Roby Brock from our partner, Talk Business and Politics. The conversation first aired on the TV program, Capital View. You can see Capitol View every Sunday morning at 8.30 on KARK in Little Rock in Central Arkansas and every Sunday morning at 10.30 on KNWA in Northwest Arkansas in the Arkansas River Valley. Carver Center for Public Radio, Pastor Clench Neckloth from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church. Welcome back.
5: Thank you. Great to be here.
1: We're continuing our conversation about books for this autumnal season, not necessarily related to autumn, but every four times a year, you bring in a collection of books. We've divided it up, because it's easy, by seasons. So what do you have here? Well, I brought a book that I've owned for a long time. I can tell. Yeah. This is a
5: book that I acquired when I was in seminary. Um, There's actually a newer translation, but I brought the one that has more of my notes in it, etc. And it is the Book of Concord, translated by Theodore Tappert. And these are the Lutheran confessional documents.
1: Lutheran confessional documents.
5: Yes. Yeah. So... The easiest way to describe this is to say that, unlike some other Christian traditions that have some other center, you know, like, say, for example, the Episcopalians have the Book of um, Common Prayer, Mm -hmm. like, so a prayer book is their core thing, or uh, the Roman Catholic Church has the Pope as being a central kind of authority around which the rest of the church centers, and a lot of different traditions have different things. The center for Uh, Lutheranism that anchors it is its confessional documents. There's one in particular called the Augsburg Confession that was made in Augsburg, Germany, before the Roman Catholic authorities and established the the Lutheran movement. And in fact, a lot of churches around the world, outside of the United States, even call themselves churches of the Augsburg Confession instead of Lutheran.
1: Let me just ask quickly here, because I think For many of us, we hear the word confession, we think maybe like a police procedural law and order where you confess. Oh, yeah, right. In in this instance, what does confessional—
5: It's basically like a longer form of a creed. Okay. This is what we believe about these topics. And the Augsburg Confession was 28 articles about things like God, the Church, sin— you know, like whatever the topics were. Mm -hmm. And what they were trying to do was convince, in in the case of the Augsburg Confession, they were trying to convince the Roman Catholic authorities that they actually weren't teaching anything out of line with Roman Catholicism, just corrections to things that had gone astray Uh that didn't work out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But that's what the Augsburg Confession is. And then what happened was, that, there was that first one, the Augsburg Confession, and then Lutheran started to collect a couple of other documents that they thought were good summaries of the faith. Mm-hmm. Um, the most famous one is the Small Catechism, which a lot of people have had to either memorize or study when they went to Confirmation. Mm-hmm. There was a large catechism that was written because when Luther Melanchthon traveled around the area around Wittenberg— in, in that era they found out that most of the priests were actually illiterate mm-hmm. uh, could couldn't definitely couldn't read Latin even though they'd memorized Latin to recite the mass sure and so they decided to write a thing to teach the priests what Christians believed and that was the large catechism and then there were a couple of other documents uh, there was a apology to the Augsburg confession in response to what the Roman Catholics wrote critiquing the Augsburg mm-hmm. confession there was a um, a document that's called The Power and Primacy of the Pope, which Melanchthon wrote to challenge the... How'd that go over? Yeah, that was, yeah, you okay, know... Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and those have all been collected into the book called the Book of Concord, which is our confessional documents. And what all Lutheran pastors vow when they're ordained is to preach and teach in accordance with Scripture and the Lutheran confessions. Okay. And the reason I brought this isn't so much to, like, convince everybody that they should be Lutheran or maybe even read the Book of Concord, but, like, it's a kind of—I think it's an interesting topic today. We have become so Mm anti-credal in so many swaths of our religious life or just more life in general that I've been giving a lot of thought to this lately and asking myself, like, does it have any value anymore? Like, do we make— Do we believe things? Hmm. Um, You know, like in in our church, for example, there's been a really strong shift towards practice. When you say our church, you mean? Like, uh, I mean our denomination, but also specifically like the church that I pastor. But I think that we're not outside the norm at all. Mm -hmm. You know, that people are much more now asking the question, I don't really care what you believe, I want to see what you do.
1: Action, not words. Yeah. Yeah. And so then that makes
5: my job kind of interesting if I'm supposed to be continuing to, like, preach and teach in accordance with, like, confessional documents when more and more people, even within my own church and definitely in the wider world, doubt that they believe anything much specific at all about Mm -hmm. these things. And so then I started thinking, well, maybe your listeners may enjoy just hearing about The Book of Concords, so that they could then bounce that off against what's their uh, text. Right. And do they, do we, what does it mean to actually like have a set of uh, like
1: articulated beliefs about something? So when you say text, you're not just saying some sort of like um, nebulous value system that you've developed over your life. You're thinking, what is it that, a person may lean on, or lean into, or or sort of um, mm-hmm. anchor. Yeah, them.
5: Yeah, you know there was a um, there was a study that was done last decade that was published in a book uh, called Soul Searching by Christian Smith, and they did this big study of what youth believed. Mm-hmm. They sur- they surveyed like thousands of young people across the country, and then they did a follow-up study a couple years later where they went and interviewed the parents of those youth Mm -hmm. and asked what they believed, and in that study, they came to the conclusion that most young people in America actually don't believe the doctrine of the churches to which they're a part, regardless of what their religion was like they could be Christian or Jewish or Muslim or whatever, but they don't actually mostly hold to those beliefs. They instead held largely to what the author called moralistic therapeutic deism, um, kind of a you should be good, right? Uh, it, should, it should be good for you, and uh, yeah, something related to God.
1: <laughs> right, but again, actions— what how do you live your life yeah, yeah. as opposed to this psalm or this
5: right and then but then when they dug into that with youth what they found was and this again was it didn't matter what you're you could be evangelical or baptist mm-hmm. it didn't matter what kind of christian didn't matter even different religions Youth were incredibly inarticulate about what they actually believed in the specifics as compared to if you interviewed them about lots of other topics. Like if you asked them about climate change or reproductive rights or whatever, they might have all kinds of things that they believed about it. But if you asked them about their faith, they were like, well, I, I mean, there's like a God. And, you know. and very, what would happen very rarely, and this is to the point of a text, is almost never When a kid was asked, like, or a youth was asked, what do you believe, did they say what you would think you could rely on? You could just be like, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, you know, like Mm -hmm. recite a creed. So apparently there's some kind of, like, basic thing out there now that you can't have a belief that you memorized or that you received from this community. It's supposed to be your own, but then whatever you have as your own is often very inarticulate.
1: So— would that mean then that many of these young people in this survey don't go back to a text?
5: No, I mean that's that's, that's the exact that's the gist. Okay, that is yeah. the gist. And uh, almost the the other result of that study, which was fascinating, was they're all they all believe that because that's what their parents believe.
1: They believe that text because no, no,
5: they believe they operate with a moralistic therapeutic deistic frame because that's the same frame that their parents have. Their parents are no more uh, articulate than they are so once they went and studied adults.
1: I realize that that time isn't on our side at all here, but it would be interesting to talk to the grandparents. You know, yeah, yeah. I probably
5: there's a certain level of decline, and then also I wonder if this is also always the case. Like going back to the Small Catechism, mm-hmm. what Luther and Melanchthon found when they went around to the villages around Wittenberg is that people didn't know. Mm the basics of the Christian faith, which is why they wrote the small catechism, so that the head of the household they, it was actually cool what they did. They made these big posters and and then you were supposed to get one of those and hang it in your kitchen and the head of the household was supposed A reminder, to reminder to train
1: the guide. Kid. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well but I mean isn't so that concept right? In your home you might have the Quran, the Bible, the Torah or something, and that's the same sort of thing as that poster? Like Yeah, it would depend on the
5: tradition, and some traditions are more readily set up for this than others, I think. You know, like, um, you know, like Taoist writings are often very short wisdom sentences, right? Mm -hmm. So you could easily have those around um, if that was your tradition. Um, The problem with Christianity is it has a Bible, (laughs) which is very long, right? Mm -hmm. So how— boiling it down to short enough stuff to like memorize or whatever has taken the church some work over the right. years. I, I guess maybe Islam has something similar, although they memorize a lot of their texts,
1: which would per- perform that function, you know. So for someone in your line of work, I'm sure you've—what does this mean for you? How do you think about this, then?
5: Well, that's where I decided what I what I've been doing is I've been doing like a weekly—I started to—I decided to go back—I've— for years now, actually almost 25 years, I've written a blog called Lutheran Confessions. Mm. And I've, of course, done that with a double on or triple entendre. Mm-hmm. It, it, there's room to talk about this, the actual Lutheran confessions, or I can make confessions as a Lutheran, mm. you know, all the— Right. Uh, or I, uh, however I want to think about that. And that's how I've used the blog. But I decided to go back to actually doing a weekly— installment about the actual Lutheran confessions, just to ask myself, do I even subscribe to (laughs) these Mm. things in, in a way that's meaningful anymore? Because I've also moved together with a lot of the people, at least in my church and my denomination, to a much more practice or praxis mode I mean, I, I, I've said to people many times that I care a lot less about what you believe and I care a lot more about what you do or join me in doing for our neighbors. Right. Which has meant sometimes that actually the beliefs even get in the way. Like I find that I'm more able to do stuff cooperatively with groups who believe something very differently than me, like another religion, mm-hmm. than the people who I'm supposed to believe the same thing as, you know, like neighboring Christian groups because their practice is so different from right. mine.
1: So as you mentioned at, toward the beginning of our conversation, you're interested in knowing—it's an interesting question to ask yourself. Like, is there a text? And if so, what is it that I sort of center my beliefs, my core beliefs upon? Right.
5: And I got to think—and this is the, the problem with this is you, it's, I think it's probably problematic— to think that you could come up with right practice without some kind of uh, discernment mm-hmm. and and thinking like there's actually an interaction between them, right? Like that's the whole point of say um, any kind of critique of what is. And, a, and a, especially like a written or an intellectual critique is how would you know that the current thing you're doing is harming the working class unless you read or write some kind of class analysis that
1: helps you get a better picture on what is going on? Well, and you can extend this beyond whether it's your 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 faith, because, right, there are constitutions. There are— Sure. Uh, uh, businesses have— um, you know, mission statements. So there are all sorts of these creeds or texts in our lives, professional and, and personal. Right. Uh, yeah, and this
5: becomes really fascinating. Like, I remember a number of years ago—did you ever read The Nine? No. Um, it was a nonfiction book about the Supreme Court.
1: I remember when it came out, but yeah.
5: And— um one of the things that I remember learning in there was that that was when the um, when things were starting to first emerge, where there was a split in the court between those who were the more the literalists, like mm-hmm. the you know the back to the Constitution itself, back to these specific texts, versus the other members of the court who were starting to look at parallels in legal systems in other countries, and there would actually be debates between them on to what extent you could go look and say, well, okay, does France have a better mm-hmm. thing on this than we do? And Whereas the rigid constitutionalists would be like, no, we, we have to just only look at the... It doesn't
1: matter whether they might have a better one. This is our framework. This is our framework. These are our rules. Right.
5: Yeah. The I think that that group was called the originalists, uh-huh, right, uh-huh. and still is. And so, yeah, that same kind of thing applies. Um, when I think if we... If the Supreme Court were to try to operate as if it didn't have those source texts as a guide, that could be scary pretty fast. Right, right. right. Like they just start writing laws just because they think that sounds good. Who's
1: ever in the majority.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or <laughs> in the current case, whoever's flying them on uh, <laughs> right. You know, right. junkets or whatever, right? right? Um, so I, I think that this back and forth— is interesting. And I think we're in this stage right now, and this is why I got interested in this, where it's really hard to um, w- want to devote time to that r- more rigorous, like go back to the con- confessional documents or go back to the texts. Mm. Um, because people are, are struggling, I think, in this moment with belief systems generally. Uh, and I know a lot of legitimate reasons for why they're doing mm-hmm. that, and that's why this has become kind of
1: interesting for me. So for the first time, you've kind of recommended a book, but you've actually recommended a personal uh, examination activity. <laughs> I guess that's po- <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, that's fine. <laughs> Pastor Clinch Neckloth from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church, thank you so much for your time. No problem. Sona,
0: the Symphony of Northwest Arkansas, continues its main stage season December 9th with two performances of its annual Christmas concert at Walton Arts Center. Performing a mix of holiday favorites under the baton of maestro Paul Haas, musicians will also be joined on stage by the Sona Singers and other guests. Tickets at 443-5600 or sonamusic.org. The Ozark Society is a regional conservation organization known for saving the Buffalo National River from being dammed. Members across the state who love rivers and wild lands hike, volunteer, and work toward a common goal of keeping the natural state natural. Information on memberships at ozarksociety.net.
1: It's Wednesday, not a day when I usually talk with Becca Martin-Brown, the arts and entertainment editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. We're doing this today, though, because we've got Thanksgiving, the day after Thanksgiving coming up. Becca, welcome back to Ozarks at Large.
7: Well, and by the time I talk to you again, I'll be too old to probably speak anything but gibberish because I have a birthday Sunday. So good to do this while I still have some mental faculty.
1: Well, I take it. I, I promise you that turning 39 is not as bad as it sounds.
7: And that's why I love them, folks. That's why I love
1: them. All right. So, bef- so I have. Yeah,
7: go ahead. I have news to be thankful for. And that is? We finally have the dates for the return of Arkansas Public Theater at the Victory. We
1: sure do. It's going. To, it's being renovated, and they're going to open in the
7: spring. They are, and we. their first two performances on the new stage will be Pat Metheny on March 13th and J.J. Gray and MoFro Mo on the 14th. But Arkansas Public Theater will be back. April 5th with Into the Woods. Sondheim. Auditions are in January. Then the next show is in May, the end of May. I can't believe they're doing this show. They're doing Rent. Oh, wow. And the third show for the abbreviated season 38, which will be in August, is Kinky Boots. Okay. They're going going big. They're going big. If you're going to do three shows, go big or go home or come home or take your stage back. So auditions are January 22 23 for into the woods. before that even there will be the season leaks announcement for season 39. That's happening somewhere January 19th not real sure where yet
1: because they won't be able to do it the, the theater will
7: not be available right yeah but the season leaks announcement will take place so you'll know what's happening in season 39. And that will be six shows, starting with auditions on August 5th and 6th, and the first performances for season 39, September 20th through 22nd and 26th through 29th. And you can find out more at arkansaspublictheater.org. And then there's a super cool exhibit open at the Rogers Historical Museum, and they will be open not tomorrow or Friday, but they will be open Saturday. Mm-hmm. It's called Working America, and it's from Exhibits USA, which creates touring exhibits, looking at photographs of American immigrants and first-generation Americans generally at work in the small-skilled trades that are so much a part of everything we do. Interesting. And they ask... The museum staff asked the Ozark Literacy Council to ask its students to weigh in. The Literacy Council, of course, teaches reading, but also does a lot of community creation events, Mm -hmm. bringing together non-Native speakers. And so three of their folks participated in this talking about their lives in this country. And then they have a quilt that was created by the Ozark Literacy Council Chat and Knit Club, which is one of several hobby-based conversation clubs that they sponsor. That's cool. Because how better to learn to speak a language. Right. And each of the chunks of the quilt were knitted and then put together as a quilt, and each one represents a country. And it will be on show through January 7th. But if you're looking for something to do Saturday, because you've been at home with the family, all you can handle. Mm -hmm. They're open 10 to 4. Okay. It's free. Rogers Historical Museum on 2nd Street in downtown Rogers. You can peer at the Victory Theater. You drive by. Right. If it looks like they're on schedule to you. Or you could do one of a thousand Christmas things. Saturday is Christmas on the Creek in Springdale with Santa and Mrs. Claus and live music and a tree lighting and the Christmas Parade of the Ozarks. I like this one. The American Legion post on Saturday is hosting a toy drive. Mm -hmm. It's called Martian around the Christmas tree. Martian? Martian's. Like my spit. Oh, got my. Okay, gotcha. And the bands are Mudlong, Lost Cause, Obliviate, Kill Order, Gallo Walker, The Weeping Gate, and Hill Tribe.
1: That's a lot of bands. What time does this start? Six o'clock.
7: Okay. Christmas Carol starts at Theater Squared on the 29th. Winter Nights, the Outdoor snow globe, frosty fur silver bells, have some drinks with fire pits event at the Walton Art Center starts the 30th. Mm-hmm. December 1st is the hot cocoa crawl in Springdale. Right. December 1st is also the Mitzvah Holiday Art Market at the Fayetteville Town Center. Right. The Christmas tree lighting at Basin Spring Park in Eureka Springs, followed by the Christmas Parade. And the Rogers Christmas Parade. And December 2nd is Breakfast with Santa in Asylum Springs, the Holiday Market at the Community Creative Center in Fayetteville, the Santa Drop at the Arkansas Air and Military Museum, Wampus Wonderland on Mount Sequoia, a shopping opportunity, the Christmas Tour of Homes in Eureka Springs, and a little craft show at the Fayetteville Town Center.
1: That's a lot, and I want to back up to just, did you say a Santa drop?
7: Yes, yeah, Santa's going to skydive. Wait. Into the Arkansas Air and Military Museum.
1: Okay. When does this happen?
7: This happens on December 2nd.
1: Mm hmm. Okay. And you Peace, just.
7: Gates open at 10. Santa's supposed to arrive at 11. And you can take pictures with Santa until 1 p.m. or until the line ends because these are smart people. <laughs> and the weather back updates are the 9th and 16th. And if you cannot conceivably remember all of this, which of course you can't, every weekend in what's up from now until Christmas, there'll be a list, and what's up is in the Sunday edition of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette, available in actual printed paper, yep, or online at nwaonline.com.
1: Becca, I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving and next few days. We will then get back on our Friday schedule as we move into, uh, well, it won't quite be December, but it'll be close.
7: (laughs) It'll be close enough. Oh, one more thing. Yes. Sunday is Museum Store Sunday. Oh, And you know, I love to talk about shopping opportunities this time of year. Uh It is the only Sunday every year. That the Museum of Native American History in Bentonville is open, so, so they can have museum store Sunday, and they're only open from noon to three. But man, they've got some great stuff.
1: And and so museum store Sunday—that's when museum stores really really want you to come in and, and see what's offering, what you could give a loved one,
7: and offer you great deals, like. In particular, Mona will have up to 40% off on things in the museum
1: store. wow. Okay. All right. Well, I'll see you there. See? Yeah. All right. right. Thank you, Becca. Ozarks at Large is a production of 91.3 KUAF Fayetteville, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Contributors this Wednesday included Jack Travis, Roby Brock, Pastor Clint Schneckloth, Becca Martin-Brown, and our theme is written and performed by Daryl Sean. I'm Kyle Kellams. Thanks for being with us. Arkansas PBS is premiering a
0: new kids series, Mystery League, with new episodes airing every Sunday. The 20-episode live-action series follows three fifth-grade detectives as they solve the never-ending mysteries of the fictional small Arkansas town of Mulberry Springs. More at myarpbs.org slash mystery league. Washington Regional's Her Health Clinic is committed to empowering all women by giving them the care and resources they need to take control of their own health. Gynecology services, prenatal care, childbirth, infertility treatments, and more available at Her Health Clinic, located in Washington Regional's Women and Infants Center in Fayetteville. Wregional.com slash Her Health to learn more.